Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Yabba Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors lost by a score of 109-99 to 99 against the Memphis Grizzlies, who um, honestly didn't look that good. <laughs> um, they did not play a great game. I can't say I was super impressed with the way the Grizzlies played tonight. Um you know, I mean, there were some guys that stood out. I think, obviously, JV had a really nice night, and that's great to see. But, like, you know, this wasn't necessarily a huge performance by the Grizzlies. Um, uh, the Raptors, though, I mean, I mean, you know, this is this is the motive at the moment, which is to lose and tank and get the best lottery odds, um, you know. That's probably why they're doing all this resting. I mean, that's definitely why they're doing all this resting. No Kyle, no Fred, no OG. OG may or may not be hurt, to be honest. Who knows? In any case, though, none of those guys were in. Uh, so, yeah, you start with Gary Trent, Malachi Flynn, Ken Burch, Yuta Watanabe, and uh, Pascal Siakam. As your starting five, and honestly, just as you know it, man, even though the Raptors might hold people out, they're still going to fight, they're still going to scrap, and I got to say, I do appreciate that portion of it, because look, I don't want to see a 30-point blowout, there's no fun in covering a 30-point blowout, there's no real actual value in seeing a 30-point blowout, you can't even assess anything, because I do think that there's a lot of players on this roster right now who are still currently playing that are playing for a chance to be on the team next year. You know, Utah's contract's not guaranteed next year. Freddie Gillespie's contract's not guaranteed next year. Jalen Harris, he's not even guaranteed to have a contract next year. His contract runs out after this season. Uh, you know, Malachi Flynn does have a contract beyond, but he's a rookie. Gary Trent's playing for, you know, a contract. Um, Ken Birch, this is like a nice little showcase for him. Uh, obviously, he wants to re-sign with the Raptors. You know, you got to figure, considering the fact that he, you know, chose to come to the Raptors in the first place. Um, but in any case, though, like, yeah, like, we're just going to need to see what these guys are doing and where they are in their careers. And honestly, 
Um, that's probably why they're playing so hard defensively. Like, I, I really like the effort they showed. I mean, offensively, that group was just not... There's not a lot of playmaking in that group, not a lot of shooting on the roster. And so, I think, predictably, when you go up against a team like the Grizzlies, who are pretty good at taking away the three-point shot, um, and they have a lot of size in the middle, like, it's just going to be hard for a lot of these guys to run a coherent offense. And, you know... Having said that, though, the Raptors competed really hard. And, again, I do appreciate that because not only is it good for evaluation and development in that sense, um, it's good for the viewing experience. Like, there's, you know, I, I don't know. I can't speak necessarily for everyone. But, like, for me, just as a fan watching this, it actually is pretty fun to watch. Like, obviously, I think, you know, it sucks to not get wins. But I think that you understand what they're going through right now. And you kind of watch it to sort of see the game with very little expectation and so you're really just looking at, you know, what they're doing as a basketball team. And quite honestly, they're competing very hard. Um, and they're almost designed to, despite how hard they try, they're not going to win most of these games. Which, you know, listen, that's the plan. That really is the plan. So in terms of the play, players themselves in this game, well, first off, I thought... Um, you know, Pascal did a really nice job of sort of keeping some structure for the offense. Couldn't really get the outside shot to drop, but was getting inside repeatedly, was putting pressure on the basket, drawing doubles, you know, finding other players. I think the main thing is, you know, people have been asking why has Pascal been playing, even though, like, you know, uh, a, lot, <laughs> you know a lot of these games have, you know, seen other players rest. And I do think that, A, it's valuable for Pascal. I think, you know, he's missed a lot of time. Um, this season, uh, obviously, you know, last year, the, the, you know, he didn't touch the basketball in the COVID sort of situation, couldn't find his way to, to a gym safely. And then, um, yeah, you know, like, I think Pascal's a guy who kind of needs to play himself in the rhythm. And I also think that, like, listen, he, he's, there's still more developing for Pascal to do. It's clearly not the case where Pascal's a complete player at the moment. Um, and I think, so for him, it's important, but I also think for the team is important, like, you just need some sort of structure, right? Like, you can't just roll the ball out with, like, guys who clearly don't really fully know their roles offensively, guys being put in huge roles offensively. Um, you can't just let them chuck away because that's how you lose by 50 points. And I'm not trying to see the Raptors lose by 50 points ever. Um, and so Pascal gave them a lot of structure early on. Now, unfortunately, Pascal uh, was run into um, by Brandon Clark. Uh, who ran through Pascal's shoulder, and then Pascal left the game with a left shoulder strain. Apparently, he's going to get evaluated uh, tomorrow on Sunday. So, we'll see what happens there with Pascal, uh, and whether he's going to continue to play or whether he's going to continue to sit. If he does sit, I do imagine the Raptors bring back some of the other guys. Just, you know, um, <laughs> you got to have some structure. In any case, though, like, the rest of the starting five... They were okay. Um, you know, offensively, again, it was just a bit of a struggle outside of featuring Pascal. I thought Gary Trent had some nice moments. Definitely made some nice moves, but six of twenty or five of twenty from the field is is pretty low, especially without with only one assist. And this is not the first time it's happened. It's you know, there's been a few instances of this. And I think really the pattern here is just Gary is a player very much who is gonna play a lot better within the flow of the offense as a finisher, not as a as a play creator. Um, I think he does have some skills for that, and he, he definitely shows the skill set and the touch for it. Um, but it's sort of a fam- familiarity thing. Like, is he really going to be that kind of guy at this current moment for this team? And, the, you know, when he's running pick and rolls, getting to the mid range, pulling up for, from odd angles, like, that's 
those are very difficult shots. It's going to hurt your efficiency. And I think, yeah, 5 of 20 is, is not good. To be honest, watching it, he looked better than that. I think he made some some nice plays. He had a behind-the-back play uh, to shake his defender on the perimeter, drove it inside for a layup, you know, was pretty aggressive and got himself to the free-throw line eight times. Uh, you know, that was good to see. He was on the glass. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the shooting efficiency is what it is. And that's that's part of the thing when you don't have, like, Fred and Pascal and, and – and, and Kyle, I know some people are making these, you know, uh, there's this, like, popular conspiracy theory that Fred doesn't pass to Gary Trent. Listen, man, Fred will do a, does a lot for Gary Trent in terms of just point guards do a lot for Gary Trent. I really do think that, yeah, he's he's obviously a guy who's more comfortable playing off ball. Well, to be honest, he, it's not comfortable. He, I think he's comfortable doing all of it. He, he just exudes confidence, and he's, he's even very comfortable. I just mean, like, he's even more effective playing off ball. And in a in a creation role, just like when he goes to the bench and he has to create most of the offense for himself, this is essentially him playing with the bench. And so the shooting percentages weren't great from him, but I thought he competed as well. Um, I thought Utah gave out came out and gave a great effort. Uh, there's one play in particular where I don't know why he's not credited for an offensive rebound, but he uh, there was a, there was a missed shot, maybe even an air ball, and the Grizzlies defender was sort of just like waiting for the ball to go out of bounds, and Utah jumped, reached out of bounds. Threw the ball off his the man, and um, you know all before he landed. It was a very athletic play, very energetic play. Um, so I'm not sure why he didn't get an offensive rebound, even though he did. But yeah, I mean he was aggressive with his offense. Was starting to take threes off the move, starting to take mid range shots off the move. Which obviously, you know, with guys being out, you kind of need some of that from him. And it's not like eight shots in 25 minutes in the starting group is that many. I mean. You know, Pascal took 21 shots, Gary took 20, Malachi took 11, Kem took 11. So that's still the fifth option. But I'd like to see you to look for his offense. I think that is a very comfortable number for him. If he plays 25 minutes with any sort of regularity, I would like to see him get to 8 to 10 attempts. Because, again, we know he can score. Uh, he keeps sh- He's showing um, more an ability to, to score. And he's unselfish, too. So he'll make a pass on the move. Obviously, defensively, he gave some great energy. Um, in terms of the Raptors themselves, obviously they were going to put out some aggressive defenses, and today they were really trying to shut down Morant. And Ja did have a couple of moments, and I thought maybe he got free a little bit too much in the third quarter. That third quarter seems to be the quarter where other teams are really stepping on the gas pedal, where the Raptors sort of come out a little gun-shy, um, and Morant got free a few too many times. But I think on the whole, the Raptors really did a good job of him in terms of just you know trapping him. He didn't get his first shot attempt for the first, I think, quarter that he played. Um, and obviously, Moran is a pretty high-usage player. But the Raptors did a really good job of pressuring him. Uh, you know, Malachi guarding him in the starting group. Then, you know, the Raptors shifting to a box and one with Jalen Harris as the one against Moran. And, you know, like, they did a pretty good job denying him with the ball. He only took seven shots. They obviously sent some extra attention towards him. Not as aggressive as they did towards Beal, but... You know, I think Moran struggled with that at times. There were plays where he was sort of bottled up, you know, a little slow to pick out the right pass, you know, dragging his pivot foot, traveling. You know, he had five turnovers, six assists. Like, you'll live with that. And it was a really quiet night. But what really, really hurt the Raptors was just, like, their size. They just didn't have enough size. Um, JV, in particular, were eating them up on the interior. JV had 18 and 21. This is on the heels of him having a 27 and 20 game the last time the Raptors played. The Grizzlies, and obviously, you know, not every team has a JV. The JV types are kind of like dinosaurs a little bit here. But, yo, I mean, if you saw a dinosaur, <laughs> you'd probably be like, damn, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, JV was, 
you know, it was was like Godzilla, honestly, watching him. Uh, watching him, yeah, it was uh, it was it was honestly kind of funny to be honest, because there's one play I remember where Jalen Harris tried to rotate over and he was the help defender against JV, and Jalen Harris jumped and like was pretty much like on JV's back like a backpack, and JV just like calmly turned and then just like put the layup in with the. the with so much ease, like, yeah, obviously his size was an issue. And I think that we've seen this, uh, you know, as sort of one of Kem Birch's weaknesses. We have obviously seen some great performances from Kem. But I think the size of some of these dudes does impact him. I don't think Kem, even though Kem is super jacked and a very, very good player, I just think that, like, you know, some of these bigger guys do give them some more issues um, in terms of boxing them out, holding them. Um, Birch you know, just isn't as strong as a guy like JV. I mean, there's no shame in that. JV obviously is one of the strongest guys in the league. But, you know, we kind of saw a similar pattern play out in the Grizz- in the, um, in the in the Clipper game where uh, Birch struggled in the Ivica Zubac matchup, I thought. And, and Zubac is not as cut as JV, but also a really, really strong, really, really um, uh, tall player. Um, in any case, you know, the Raptors adjusted to that by in the second half, they changed the rotation. So Nick brought in Freddie Gillespie early, in the fourth, the third quarter, about three minutes in, much earlier than when Kem would usually come out. We've seen Kem play like entire quarters at this point. Um, but, you know, Gillespie comes in. Just to take that JV matchup a little bit. And I don't think he necessarily like held JV down. But to be honest, a lot of it was just the Raptors were sending a lot of attention elsewhere. And so when the Grizzlies were rotating the ball, they did a good job of finding the big man in the middle. There's one gorgeous passing sequence where the Grizzlies, you know, drove and kicked, drove and kicked, like three, four passes, and eventually the ball went to JV right on the basket for a dunk. Like, there's a lot of that stuff on top of the fact that JV had five offensive rebounds, and I swear all of them went for putbacks. Like, at least he had at least four putbacks as well. So, you know, he was great in that role. Um, and I thought maybe Kemp could have given it back to him offensively, or, or some of the, you know, usually what happens with JV is he, he, he gasses out, which didn't really happen tonight. Because the pace of the game was kind of slow. And also, um, guys started to attack him offensively. And I don't think the Raptors had guys to really exploit that. If they had pull-up three-point shooters like, you know, Fred, like Kyle in, then it would be a little harder to play JV. You know, those guys can also find the big man running behind JV in the pick-and-roll. There wasn't a lot of that from Malachi. There was more of that from Pascal, actually. He beat JV down the floor a few times. Beat him on line drives to the basket. Got himself to the free throw line. Got himself some and ones. Um, so that was nice to see. But you would normally see that from the pick and roll out of the point guard. And Malachi, I thought, in the first half was just dreadful. Uh, three personal fouls. Um, you know, he only had one bucket. He missed some open threes, but just wasn't impacting the game. Like, it was a lot of Gary Trent creating for himself or Pascal creating for himself. And those guys can do it, but, like, you kind of need your point guard to still be your point guard. I thought second half, way, way, way better from Malachi, man. Um, Got into the paint. And really, it's just as simple as he needs to come off that pick and roll and obviously read what the defense is doing, obviously. Uh, it's not like every single time you can do the same thing. But when he comes off the pick and roll and the bigs are dropping and, the, you know, he's kind of got a guy on his hip, he needs to keep that dribble alive and drive into the paint drive across the paint, and sort of let the play develop. You know, that first read, that first pass, that that pocket pass, a lot of the times he does a good job of that with, you know, his rollers. You know, sometimes he can sort of get to the mid-range and pull up. But to be honest, most good defenses, or at least most capable defenses, are going to be able to contain a lot of this, you know, simple stuff. And so Malachi's just got to do a better job of getting into the paint, keeping his dribble alive. 
stringing this guy along. And I thought first half, you know, Malachi was sort of jump go, going into his shot a little bit too quickly, um, or sort of passing out of that pick and roll a little bit too quickly. Even though, you know, I think people sometimes get on Fred for you know dribbling the ball too much a little bit, but that there's a certain patience that you need to your game. And I think Malachi showed a much better um, example of what that patience looks like in the second half where Malachi will come out the pick and roll, but instead of, you know, quickly reversing the ball or or, or just taking the mid-range shot or going for a floater or a drive, he would, um, he would uh, get into the paint and then sort of get get two feet in the paint. Siebel was there, keep his dribble alive, so then step back out of the paint. And what that did was it allowed just for a moment for the defense to shift towards him, and then for Kem Birch to be able to get into a gap, find you know catch the little you know shovel pass from Malachi. And and Kem missed a, a couple of bunnies today, like just short floaters and things like that that he has been making quite a bit recently, and we've seen him make, but. You know, I, I like those looks a lot better that Malachi was able to get to him. I think once Birch was also fouled at the basket, so that should have been an assist for Flynn. But, you know, he got more into the game. And then once he started establishing himself more as a passer, then the scoring is going to come. He's going to need to be one of those pass first, then score later kind of guards. And I do think he has a scoring skill set. Like we, we saw in the second half, he had, you know, 12 points. You know, in the fourth quarter, he had 10 points. That's pretty good. And obviously, fourth quarters have been really, really a standout moment for Malachi. But... He was he he was really solid in the second half of the game, and oddly enough, um, you know, <laughs> one factor that I if I had to guess as to sort of what changed the Malachi, I think the probably the factor was Coach Fred Van Vliet got on uh, Malachi just a little bit. Now, of course, uh, Fred is you know was out for this game due to rest, but. Uh, you know, was not doing a lot of resting, let me say that. For first off, he was on the court before the game, running drills with his teammates, um, you know, serving as the coach. You know, a lot of times they'll have, um, the you know, there's like two types of coaches. There's like a front-of-the-bench coach, which usually won't be on the floor to work out with guys. And then there's like the back-of-the-bench coaches who are, you know, player development guys. And what that means is that they're literally on the floor you know, in sweats and in a uniform and, and running them through like sets, like set actions of a pick and roll, maybe off like a drill where you sort of, you know, work a pick and roll and sort of the pass comes to the corner and it's a, it's a you know, it's a drill to A, defend it, but B, also to um, to make some of those plays. And that was Fred. <laughs> Fred was out there like, you know, one of the assistant coaches, which was really fun to watch, actually. Um, and yeah, I mean, then Fred, you know, the camera panned to Fred and it was like, Yo, he's in a full coaching uniform. Like, this guy... Because, <laughs> like, right now, the, for some reason this season, the NBA has decided coaches don't necessarily have to wear suits. So, what you've seen is a lot of coaches in polos and really boring slacks and, like, um, zip-up hoodies. You know, basically, like, honestly, you know, this is a... I'm just going to reveal this fact about me. At one point in my life, when I was in university, you know, for a summer gig, I had to work at uh, RJ McCarthy's, the uh, uniform store the uniform provider for much of southern ontario and yeah like basically coaches have been wearing rj mccarthy's outfits and for some reason fred was wearing one of them which is so weird and you know i just for me this is sort of obviously in a game where you know it wasn't that meaningful elsewhere um you know like I was really curious, like, where did Fred get this? Did the coaching staff have one prepared? Like, what's going on, right? Like, you can't imagine that they just have, like, an endless supply of, like, 
you know, it's not like you just peel off of Hanes tee and just t- toss it on. Like, it's, it's you know, there's only a number of those uniforms. Like, did Fred, where did Fred get his hands on it? And then Nick kind of asked, I asked Nick about it after the game. You know, he said, he's like, yeah, yeah it's not like we prepared the, the uniform for him. So basically, Fred acquired it himself. I think Nick's word specifically was he stole it, which, you know, obviously is a joke. But like, yeah, that's. That was that was hilarious to watch, but you know, I, I and, and I think the best part about it was that you know, you know, obviously most NBA players when they have a chance to sit out, it's really you know like uh, you know Paris Fashion Week. Like you really got people like you know dressed up. Obviously, Gary Trent has been uh, the most recent examples of this. OG used to do it a little bit. Although this season, OG is just wearing shorts, a hoodie, and uh, you know pink slides usually. Usually. Um, with some glasses and a mask, and you know, but we've seen Surge. You know, I'll, I'll, basically, guys sit out. They usually try to like dress up, right? We've seen Fred do that too. Um, <laughs> Fred was so committed to this bit. He was. He even had dress shoes on. He had like argyle socks. Like this guy was. This guy was basically treating this like Halloween. In, in any case, so that was pretty funny. But anyway, I, I imagine that you know Fred was getting on Malachi a little bit as the coach. Apparently, Nick said that Fred joined the coaches at halftime for the coaches meeting. That's that's really funny. They're probably talking strategy. I'm sure this happens all the time anyway. You know, without it being formality and without Fred, you know, in a cosplay. But like, um, yeah, and I think you know Nick said that basically, yeah, Fred's main coaching tonight was coaching Malachi, which. I thought honestly, Malachi had a way better second half. You know, if I if I didn't know that Fred was the coach, I would have just said that Nick made some nice adjustments. But evidently, that w- that has to go to you know Coach Van Vliet, who um, Jalen Harris described as a very intense coach. Which um, yeah, who knows, man? Maybe maybe Fred would be kind of like a really intense. To be honest, it probably would be like when Jerry Stackhouse was a coach uh, for the nine oh five. If anyone remembers that. In any case, though, that was the highlight of the game. <laughs> Um, you know, Harris himself was a, was a nice highlight, too. I mean, Jalen obviously hasn't had much of a chance to play. The last few games here is a nice chance for him to really get some minutes. Today, 29 minutes for Jalen. Um, soaked up some point guard minutes with Malachi having three fouls early in the game. Second half, Jalen Harris just was turned to and as a, you know, big piece. Because, A, you know, Pascal uh, hurt uh, his shoulder. And then, you know, Rodney Hood. Um, you know, got tangled up trying to reach in against JV and, and fractured his, you know, hand. And so, okay, that sucks. Like, that really sucks. That's That really sucks. Trust me, I've done that before. It, it, it sucks. And honestly, you got to wear a brace, and then it sometimes doesn't heal properly, then it hurts all the time. Anyway, uh, hopefully the best for Rodney. So, you know, there were limited options, but I also thought Jalen Harris was closing the game along with Malachi because those were two of their best five players tonight, man. Jalen came in, was really confident. You know, his threes were very smooth. This is a very smooth game. Like, I don't know. He just kind of, like, you know, glides through places. He's a little, you know, um, skittish defensively. But, like, offensively, he's really smooth. He knows how to get to his spots. Like, his first basket of the game, you know, he was running a pick and roll late or something like that. He was driving, got to the baseline, and then just took, like, a fading long two on the baseline um, and made it. Kind of like Lou Will style, you know, in a way. You know how Lou just kind of, like floats through a game like Jalen kind of has that same element to him and you know Jalen also hit some threes you know there was two um it was two plays where you know in close succession where he he went to the reverse layup where he sort of went over you know and uh 
First one was very impressive because it was a three-on-one fast break. Jalen Harris leading the break, and the defender committed to Jalen, but Jalen decided still to go for a reverse layup. Through the bump, too. It could have been an and one if he were a star player, but uh, nice little finish there. Um, even though I thought he probably could have just dumped it off to, I don't know, Pascal in the trailer, or I think Bembry was running the break with him, too. But in any case, so Jalen seems pretty nice. And also, you know, Nick put him as the one in, in, in the box one against John Moran. And listen... Um, you know, you gotta listen. If you're gonna play for Nick, if you're gonna play on the Raptors, you're gonna need to know how to play some boxing one. And uh, you know, listen, it's not an easy job. It's basically for for Jalen when he was in that boxing one, he's just basically face guarding Morant, and he's not even caring for anything else that happens in the game. His job is just to stick on Morant, to look at him, not even look at the play. Like there's one play where the you know there was a deflection. And it went Harris's direction, but Harris is so focused on Morant. He had his back turned. He could, he could have just picked up the ball if he looked at the ball, but he was that committed to his his scheme. Now, of course, I think you probably need a little bit better awareness regardless of what scheme you play. But in any case, though, he did a pretty good job. you know. And again, when you look at Morant's, Morant's stat line, 12 points, 6 assists, 5 turnovers, you know, only 7 shots attempted. That's pretty good. I thought Harris did a really nice job, and he showed some nice skills. And, yeah, I mean, you know, the Grizzlies, they got a huge three-point shooting stretch from DeAnthony Melton, who hit three threes in a row in the fourth quarter. That gave them a huge push. Got, you know, the Raptors were within two points, and then Melton, you know, yeah, he won Supernova, and... You know, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, to be honest, you know, if the Raptors could have gotten a better job on the offensive glass, they would have done it, you know, a lot better in this game. The only person I thought really that was that big of a factor there was Freddie Gillespie. Now, the Grizzlies are a pretty big team, so, like, you know, and, they, you know, they start two bigs. But, um, yeah, I mean, I you know, if the Raptors had a, more answers for their size, I think they probably would have won this game. But... I don't know if the goal was to win this game. In fact, I know for sure the goal was not to win this game, at least from the front office perspective. But in any case, though, uh, in your three stars from this game, I would give the first star to... How does, am I, I going to give the Jalen Harris, man? Yo, you know what? Say we the North one time, because Jalen Harris was holding it down for the North tonight. 16 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, a steal... Got the post-game interview. I was a little nervous. I'm not sure if he's seen me and Alex's tweets about him. If he has, it's all love, obviously. You know, it's just really funny what he said that one time. But, um, you know, we're obviously, we're rooting for him. And he, he's he's just giving a pretty good interviews. Uh, and he loves saying yes, sir, to every single person, which is uh, very mild-mannered. Um, but, yeah, you know, Jalen was, was quite nice. He's getting the first star. Wow, this is the first time he's ever had it. Second star was going to go to... Um, Pascal. I thought Pascal had a really nice game. 18 points, 3 rebounds, 4 assists. Uh, again, really difficult, man. Nothing was creative for Pascal. Everything he had to sort of make on his own. And, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that his night got cut off early. But he's been playing really nice of late. It was nice to see an extension of that. Him getting to the basket. Some really tough and ones. And, yeah, hopefully he's good, man. Because, you know, I, I, I really want to see... You know more of this from Pascal even before the season ends. I want him to close strong because he has been on a strong uh, stretch of late. Obviously with 37 and 44, like he, you know he, he's been playing well. Uh, even though I think there's been way more criticism uh, of the five percent that he doesn't do well as compared to the 95 percent that he does quite well. Uh, and then your third star, um, I want to give it to Malachi, but I do think that his first half was so quiet. 
So, you know what? I'm going to give it to Freddie Gillespie. Yeah, I thought Freddie really came in and gave them some positive things. Two plays that Freddie made. One, he took a charge against Jaron Jackson Jr. Jaron Jackson was a little bit wild on a drive. You know, Freddie Gillespie read that, and he stepped in for a charge. And you might say, well, it's just a charge. Come on, it happens. I think, honestly, like, it takes a lot of skill to draw a charge. Um, I think, you know, it's it's a lot of awareness. I, I, don't think, I, I believe that's Freddie Gillespie's first charge drawn. Um, you know, this season, and yeah, it was just good anticipation, good good use of positioning. It really requires you to like read the floor and make a quick play. And I thought, um, you know, that was good. But the more impressive defensive play was John Morant went up for a dunk and tried to end Freddie Gillespie, and Freddie jumped with him and met him at the basket, blocked it. And I think the Raptors got on transition and scored. Um, and this is important because it's freaking John Morant, man. This guy might have like a 50-inch vertical. I'm not even kidding, man. I saw, I watched the dunk last week, just a highlight, of like this, you know, Dylan Brooks threw him a lob. And like John Morant was literally two-handed windmilling the dunk while looking down into the basket. And he's only like 6'3". Like, that's absurd. And honestly, when Freddie jumped for it, I was like, oh, man, we're going to have another Anthony Edwards versus Yuta Watanabe situation. But it wasn't. And Freddie Gillespie blocked him. So just for that alone, Freddie with his 6-8 and one block is going to get the third star. Terrence, you're a Gerald Henderson award winner. That's obviously going to go to DeAndre, um, DeAndre Melton. Uh, DeAnthony Melton, sorry. Um, 15 points, uh, all on threes, including three threes in the, in the fourth quarter. That broke the game wide open. And that kind of broke the Raptors back. Because I don't think the Raptors had the firepower to sort of respond at that point in the game. Um, didn't really notice him too much elsewhere, but yeah, he really came in and, um, he's a nice player, man. The Grizzlies have a lot of nice players. Like, it's not like the Grizzlies bring in anyone off the bench that you're just kind of like, eh, whatever, right? Like, I think Brandon Clark, unfortunately, after a really promising rookie year, hasn't been as effective. I just don't think he's playing as many pick and rolls with John Morant, for example. Um, but like, yeah, they just have a roster full of solid dudes. And, you know, in, in a way, it kind of reminds me of the Raptors roster as well. But uh, unfortunately, Raptors roster, I mean, you got one of the best players being the coach tonight. So uh, it is what it is. Hopefully, the lottery odds are good. In terms of around the NBA, um, the Wizards won. They beat Indiana. Uh, Crazy game. Westbrook had 33-19-15, and Bradley Beal had 50 points. This is why the Raptors were face-guarding Bradley Beal. And, you know, even after he had 28 points, I was praising the Raptors for playing defense and how well they did. Because Nate Bjorgren's team in overtime to Washington saw Bradley Beal put up 50 points. That is that is outrageous. Um, and, of course, Indiana and Washington have played recently, and I think Washington put, like, 150 on them. <laughs> and that was without an overtime. But, yeah, wow. That was uh, honestly this would be a very fun nine ten matchup, and it probably will be the nine ten matchup because I don't really see another team really crashing the race. It's definitely not going to be the Raptors. They're almost mathematically eliminated, and yeah, hopefully they can just finish out the season. Uh, in terms of things to look out for, I think one actually one thing to call out is uh, me and Alex did a um, we did a panel with. With Raptors today, which if you haven't seen it, you can watch it on NBA TV and NBA TV Canada, and you can also see it on the Raptors YouTube page. But we were joined by Savannah Hamilton, who we actually had join us on Run Back uh, two weeks ago. We were able to go on her program, Raptors Today, and they were really gracious in, in giving me and Alex this platform to speak about uh, Asian Heritage Month and sort of discuss just 
I mean, honestly, it was only like 15 minutes, so there's, uh, there's only so much depth you can get into it. But, um, you know, just some, some topics at the moment that are uh, present in the Asian space. Um, and, yeah, you know, I haven't said it already, but happy Asian Heritage Month. Please take this month to... Um, well, listen, if you're Asian, first off, please take this month to just enjoy, soak up the time, feel proud. Um, but, you know, if, if you're not, probably just take this time to sort of educate yourself. Because, I mean, a couple of things. One, I think, I think a lot of people see the term Asian and sort of see Asians as sort of one conglomerate. And that's so ridiculous to me. Asia is literally the biggest continent in the world. There's nothing necessarily connecting, um, you know... <laughs> the Iranian experience with like the Korean experience, for example. Um, other than that, we're just somehow on the same uh, continent. But in any case, though, like, um, yeah, take this time to educate yourself on some of these things. I mean, uh, I'll try to use this platform as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, uh, it, the more I think about this month, the more I'm just thinking about like, why are some of these things that seem very obvious still need to be said? But, you know, if that's what needs to happen, then that's that's the work that needs to go into it. Um, uh, in any case, though, look out for that. And that's already out. Um, I've, I've shared it on my Twitter account as well. Also, subscribe to the Raptors Reaction Newsletter, okay? Please send in more emails. I know I, I really am, have enjoyed answering the mailbag. We short a couple of questions. So, please, people, keep sending them in. Uh, I love hearing from people. I love answering questions. It's a nice way to just, you know, entice me to write because as much as I write 10 things all the time, I'm not writing as many columns these days. So it's kind of a nice way to sort of write in a mini column. So you can find the Raptors Reaction pod, uh, newsletter uh, and link to it, the subscription, in the podcast description below. And, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. The Raptors got a few days off here. They're going to go take Sunday off, and then Monday they're going to practice. So, yeah, I'll be back next week with more podcast content. In the meantime, thanks for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.